Welcome to the Coaching by Bell podcast, the podcast where each episode we feature women entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders in business. The podcast showcases a variety of interviews, coaching style conversations, and live coaching sessions. I am your host, Isabel Hertz. I am a business coach integrating past and present, bridging old stories with new intentions. I help people hear between the lines of their story, tap into insights, inner wisdom, and opportunities to hear their own voice as a means for change. Let's get listening. Hi, Samin. Thank you for being here with me. Thanks for having me here. We'll just dive right in. First thing I like to ask is what your inspiration was and is for your business. I think my inspiration comes from my interest and appreciation for humans. Due to different life experiences, I built a very strong, deep appreciation for human psychology and human lives. I think I love people. I They're all so interesting for me. So I think that sort of was the foundation of the business and my choice to move from science to psychology. Because due to many different life experiences, I built a very strong understanding of the power of mind over body, the power of mind over your health. And that's your financial health. That's your physiological health. That's your physical health. So that got me to move away from biology, which I'm still interested in, but actually start studying psychology. And then one thing at a time sort of got me to learn more about industrial psychology. It got me to learn about the relationship of people with their work. And that's how sort of I started investing more in industrial psychology because everyone has to work to pay the bills. So it's much easier to work with people to start developing constructive habitual behavior from workforce other than starting from somewhere else. And and my initial interest actually was not industrial psychology. I was pursuing to license parenting when I was 18. So when you're 18, you're young, you're naive, and you think we can change the world, but then life shows you how naive you are. <laughs> of course, it still is a very debatable discussion. And I think down the road, I will go back to parenting because now I see how leaders are like the parents of people in the workforce. They are the one helping them to adapt the right mindset in work to ensure they're really living a fulfilling life. And I think eventually I will grow out of workforce psychology and go back to families and students. So that's sort of the summary of my inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So was the original foundation, you said parenting, and you also mentioned biology. Was it through the study in biology and studying parenting, and then it morphed into human psychology? Can you share a little more about that? No, I was all interested about biology, like human biology, like learning about how human bodies and brain function. While I was studying that, I was reading a lot on parenting, the impact of parenting on the psychological development of humans, literally. So 
that was just sort of a side interest while I was studying biology. And then the more I learned about how having a healthy mind helps you to actually have a healthy body, I just said, let's just take a proactive approach rather than try to help people have a very healthy body. I would just help them to have healthy mind because that actually helps them to have healthy body. So that's sort of how got me to invest more in psychology than biology. Interesting. Okay. Now you're thinking, okay, maybe you'll go back and fuse the two together again. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think uh, after workforce, my next goal is to get into universities and school. I think how the school system and universities are being done is outdated. It's not serving its purpose anymore. Maybe used to in the past and then eventually going back to parenting. I think these are like your parents, your school and your work are the major factors in shaping who you are. And parenting is the hardest one because it's extremely complex. It's not that it's a standard formula you follow and then you know how to do it, right? It's extremely (laughs) complex. So (laughs) that would be the ultimate goal. However, there is a strong parallel between parenting and leadership. Actually, I wrote a paper on best parenting uh, practices are similar as best leadership practices. And they both have a very influential role in others and in others' character and really quality of life. It sounds like it's really important to you to have built something and to have something that is so closely connected to the impact that people have on one another. Yeah, I think it goes back that the interest in the power of humans and the influence they have on each other. So when you first started your company, I'm very curious what it was like for you to grow what I hear as a very much a passion for humans and human dynamics and, and how people work, starting with physically how people work and morphing into this more psychology side of it. And so I'm I'm curious what it was like for you to grow this business and grow this idea. How I got to start the business, it wasn't like, I want to be a business owner, because if you're a business owner, then you don't get to do all this fun part of psychology. You know, <laughs> you have a business to run. For me, I think I just I had a job about people culture in a nonprofit organization. And I used to be, and I still I am, a very active in the nonprofit world. And I think it's such a purpose-driven world. It's a industry that people are there for the purpose, not necessarily for the profit. Having said that, I could see how everyone was literally a dead soul at work. Like they would clocking at night at nine o'clock and clock out at five o'clock. And again, I was I was 24 at the time. So I thought maybe I'm not experienced enough because my previous experiences before that job was like in hospitals, in research labs. So it was a diff- it was not a corporate experience, I would say. So I myself experienced what burnout is. I think I feel like this word is being so misused. <laughs> and I personally like I feel like oh people are just stressed out. They say we are burnt out. But I experienced really what it means and how serious it is in a job that it was my dream job. Like it was a job that I worked so hard for it to get it. So it was very interesting dynamic for me at that time. 
And then I started doing research to see if I want to stay in corporate world or going back to school, going back to getting my PhD. I think that research, that curiosity got me to establish the business because I reached out to over 400 companies in Vancouver just to get an information interview to understand their culture in their organization and to say that like is it going to be like this everywhere or should I just go back and get my PhD because corporate world is not for me and something that really really helped me to be where I am was really letting people to give me feedback while I was doing that research a few people that I met gave me an idea of turn this into a research project and while I was finding participants for my project Few companies told me, why don't you build a software to help you with data analysis? And I think when I thought about software, that was the moment that I was like, I have to treat this like a business because it's going to take a lot of money for me to build that software. At that time, I started looking at it not as a side project for me to understand what to do with my life, but actually as a business. And then I think it just really grew from feedback. I think clients told me, like at the time, they were not clients, they were just laboratory mice, told me build the software. And then a few other companies told me, why don't you implement consulting in your research? So when you tell us what's working, what's not working, be the consultant for us to help us to execute. And then it grew and then COVID hit. Somebody told me, you know, I think my team needs a clinical counselor. Somebody else told me, I think my team needs a coach. So really the community was organically built up or telling me how to grow this business. And it made it hard for me to say no, because they were the one asking for it. So I think this is the approach I've been taking and I will take to grow the business. Two things standing out for me, the power of curiosity and how it can lead you to something so wonderful, beautiful, and powerful. Just by following your curiosity, you build these connections that help you determine something that you wanted to do rather than focusing on one target. It was it was sort of a moving target in a way. And then how community can be so supportive of that curiosity, you know, when we are genuinely open and curious to learning and growing and experiencing things, it can bring a really powerful sense of, of community together around a common goal or a common interest or a need, which it sounds like it was kind of all of them for you, a combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you summarized that and rephrased it very well. I'm extremely grateful for those people that actually told me what to do next. <laughs> so when you think about continuing to grow your business and cultivating relationships to do the work that you want to do, do you imagine changing anything? Definitely myself. Over the last almost seven, eight years, I am noticing how my business, how my team, how my people are are the reaction to my action. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's so interesting that when you yourself change yourself, change your approach, change how you respond to things, it actually gets you to change the outcome you want to have. 
so many things helped me to be where I am right now, but I don't see them as sustainable. I don't see they're working anymore. I think I'm going through a phase that, all right, to get into the next level, I have to change things about myself, about my philosophy, about my theories about anything that I believe in, in order to get into the next level. So I am actually right now going through that phase and reflecting on what what is that, that I have to change to get to the next level. It's so interesting you say that because I think that that isn't an uncommon thing that happens for business owners is that there are moments that define the shifts in businesses that change the direction to the next chapter and then change the direction to the next chapter. You know, if you look back, there's these moments of whatever it may be and for whatever business might be developing or growing and being flexible and adaptable to whatever needs to happen next is so important to do that re-envisioning that you're talking about. I agree. Again, you summarized it very well that you have to figure out your own journey. And for that, it's just be flexible with what comes for you, not necessarily to you. What happens for you? Yeah. Yeah. Is there one particular moment when you look back in time that does stand out to you as being a defining pivotal moment to the course of what you've been building? Two moments. When you start a business because you're interested in the purpose, not necessarily you want to be a CEO founder or you want to be famous. Like people have different motives to start a business. My motive it was really just, I wanted to make sure people are having a better relationship with their career and their work. It was very hard for me to see myself as I'm the boss. I'm the boss. This is my business. And with the whole wave is going on with on LinkedIn, social media, that employees are not being heard. And that's a different discussion. There's a lot of misconception about this. And me having a destructive behavioral pattern of being a pleaser. Again, people feel like, oh, if you're the pleaser, it's actually you're a nice person. But my pleasing attitude was lose-lose situation. It was lose for me and lose for my team. So I could see it significant change. And that happened, I think it took me maybe two, three years and a lot of big failures that got me to actually sit down and change that habit that I've been living with for, I don't know, so many years was to manage my pleasing attitude and to accept that this is my business. I'm the boss and it's okay. And it's actually my job to give directions to people. This is what they expect. I think that was something that's just made it so much easier for myself to just to know my position in my own business, which is sounds very weird, but it is very hard as an entrepreneur. Tell yourself, I'm the boss. It's really hard. Yeah. How did you walk yourself through that change, that pattern of behavior change? Of course, it's not an overnight change, right? The very, very first step is building that awareness. When you're starting out your business, it's extremely easy to blame everything. Blame the economy, blame the people that work with you. It's very easy not to take responsibility for its own failures, right? (laughs) Because there are just so many factors playing a role. For me, I think it was the moment that I started, instead of 
solving problems on what's contributing to this problem, I started solving my own problems by reflecting I'm contributing to this problem. Again, it's very important. It's very important to consider how other things are contributing to your problems. But when you are a small business, your dream is extremely fragile and it's any day it can't fall apart. I found that the best investments for me is figuring out how I myself is contributing to the problems, to the challenges I'm facing and started building awareness and starting observing myself as this third person and noticing so many things that I do well (laughs) and also so many things that are extremely destructive to myself and to the people around myself uh, and to my business. I'm struck by how much self-awareness you have because that takes an incredible amount of awareness and also dedication to staying with the change. And change is never an easy thing to walk through, no matter what it is. It can be very sticky along the journey. (laughs) Yeah. I love the word sticky because when I started noticing how my pleasing patterns is destructive. And I actually labeled that voice in my head that tells me to please, please sticky. So it was just very interesting coincidence. Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I do that with my clients when we talk about different patterns of behavior and how we're showing up. We often label each voice. That's that's yeah. kind of how I speak about it is like, here are your personas. And we have to just accept that we have these parts of ourselves and they all exist for one reason or another. And oftentimes the ones that we wrestle with, like you wrestled with this for a while, you developed it because of a need before and it served you. And now it's just not really serving the needs that you have. And so we often label them together. I mean, I don't label them for my clients, but it's the process of walking through and saying, okay, well, name it, call it out. It's Nancy. Hi, Nancy. I see you're here again. And you're the voice of judgment or whatever it might be, right? And then it gives a lot of power to the change process. So it's really cool to hear that you do that because I think it's very, very powerful to have that tool, to have that ability to label it and kind of walk through almost like you're holding a friend's hand and saying, okay, well, you got this. We're going to walk on this new path together. And and at the end, I don't know exactly what will be there, but okay, I, I'm with you, you know? So I'd love to switch a little and move to present day You've gone through a lot of shifts. You've walked yourself through a lot of changes. What challenges ahead for you and your business? I think there were so many challenges that definitely I cannot even predict. But <laughs> the best investment is for me it's just to build the trust for myself that any challenge will happen. I'll be able to take care of it. With the challenges that I'm preparing for it, like preparing for the worst, hoping for the best is definitely finding the healthy business. I think as your business grows, you end up doing so many work and you come to a level that you're like, I have to pick few areas of my business to ensure it helps me to scale because you know your business survived, you know you're adding significant value for your clients. So you pass that phase. And for me is I have to figure out 
what is the lowest effort and highest value area that I have to give my resources to, to help me scale. And it's easy. It's very easy to scale with high expenses. It's something I experience is it's like you're pushing the gas while you're also pushing the brake too. It's like you're growing at a very, very high emotional, financial cost. And I think this is not sustainable. It's not a sustainable growth. The same thing even about human growth. It's not just business growth. So my priority at the moment is how should I prioritize my time to make sure I scale the business with lowest effort, but highest value? What does it mean to you when you say lowest effort and highest value? I think lowest effort in terms of different matters. That's financial, that it doesn't take me a lot of financial resources to do it. It means people resources. I can do it with my existing team. I don't need to grow the team further. It can be uh, me not adding more working hours to my schedule. I want to make sure I do it with existing resources and not adding more resources to what I have. Okay. So of those resources, which one would be most helpful, at least initially, to focus on for the purpose of this conversation? (laughs) The biggest one is the financial one. I think that financial literacy in terms of being able to think strategic when it comes to your cash flow statements, that's something that will be interesting for me to, to focus on the most because I'm an optimist. Definitely, it's a strength. But I remember my coach used to tell me, if you overuse your strength, it's not a strength anymore. It's a weakness. <laughs> and I think I'm extremely optimistic about our financial forecasts. Let's just put it that way. So it's very subjective. When it comes to financial decision, it's a very subjective decision. To me, it's actual psychology. It's not that, oh, you're good with numbers, so you should be good with your finances, right? It's extremely emotional, psychological decision when you do that. I think for me is where should I spend the money that would actually give me the highest ROI long term? And when it comes to that long term, a lot of emotions come into place. And I'm having a hard time to make that decision. What I'm hearing is there's a few different resources to your company. There's the finance, there's the people, and then there's also your time as well. And your challenge is how do I determine how to use those resources while still growing? You know, what's the best use of all of them is what I fundamentally think I hear you talking about. You nailed it. What's the best use of all the resources I have? I think I have good amount of resources. I appreciate the resources I have. What's the best use of them? And so it seems like there's energy around the financial piece because that's the direction that you took it right away when I said of these, which one would you like to focus on just for the purpose of today's conversation? You know, there was a lot of energy around the financial piece and how Do you use the financial resources you have to have the best return on your investment is what I heard you say. So is that the direction that would be most helpful to continue forward with? Yeah. 
like how to utilize the financial resources at the moment. Yeah. I'm curious because I, I don't know where you've been before and what you've done before. I'm curious what has worked for you in terms of how you spend money for your company. And it goes back to the whole philosophy I had with growing the business. The client tells me what that, where I should spend. And I think the company is growing and I'm not with the client as much as I used to because I have a team that takes care of that. And I don't get that voice from my clients that where should I put my money? You know, what used to work very well when I was spending money based on that voice, the voice of my client. And I feel like now... I'm spending money based on my own assumptions, based on my own vision, which is again, good, but maybe it's not the perfect timing to spend that money. You know, it's just sometimes the timing matters too about your investment. So what I'm hearing is that you no longer have as much of the face-to-face with your clients and they have been very instrumental in helping shape the direction of the services that you offer and the money that you spend to create your offerings. So what opportunity is there for you to get that feedback, even if you're not the one on the ground with your clients anymore? What opportunities might exist to get feedback in new ways? I think it's just simply asking for feedback. I think it's just me playing a role of sitting down with every client, reaching out to them and actually tell them that you've been using our resources, you've been using our software, you are using our services. You tell me. I think it's just simply just reaching out to them for the purpose of gathering that feedback. I think intentionally and actively, I need to prioritize this. What is it like when you say that out loud? Yeah, I think it's like sitting down, creating a form to send it out to them to fill it out and schedule 15 minutes with every single of them, prepare a list of questions that I need to answer with to help me with my next steps and then start gathering data. And it goes back to the initial curiosity that you were talking about. I think I need to refuel that curiosity. Again, it's like I'm in step one again of the new phase and I have to start collecting data to see what my next step is. And I think I'm just so busy with trying to sort of doing things right now as they are being operated that I don't prioritize collecting enough data to see what my next step is. I think I have to treat my phase as I'm starting the business all over again. I think this is the approach I should take. I love hearing that. That's like going back to the beginner's mind in psychology. Well, so how do you cultivate your own beginner's mind? Oh, that's a very, I think having people to keep asking me good questions and challenge me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the power of coaching to keep challenging you. You say, oh man, you think you know what you're doing? But maybe you need to pause and rethink. You need to pause and reflect. Yeah, I think for me is having such challenging conversations more often. What does that look like? Are you someone who likes to have it structured where you have that on your calendar? Do you like the organic conversations where you 
attend events and just you're surrounded by people where you might get those things coming to you. How do you create that for yourself? Definitely, I have to be ready for that conversation. So if it shows up on my calendar, there is a chance of me rescheduling it if I'm not ready for that conversation. So I think for me is I have to somehow have a sign for myself that it's time for you to have that conversation and don't keep being busy by being busy, you know? (laughs) And what that sign looks like, I think that's something I have to figure out that under what circumstances these thoughts come to me and it tells me that it's time for me to pause. What I'm hearing, and I'll just follow the thread of what I've heard so far is the challenge initially that you shared is how do I use my resources that I have in the best return on my investment, the best ROI, and specifically following the financial resource in your company you're realizing, maybe in real time, even realizing that there's a curiosity that you want to cultivate again, like you had when you started your own business. And you want to bring that back into your your day-to-day experiences. And it sounds like maybe that's to be determined about how you cultivate that curiosity, how you shape those connections. And it could come in a few different forms, was what I'm hearing. That sounds like a very, very fair summary of everything we discussed. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Is there anything that still feels sticky around the financial resource piece that needs to be addressed? Or has this been a helpful unsticking? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It feels unsticky. I think you got me excited about tomorrow morning, start putting things together to reach out to clients for this purpose. I think... That would be a really neat next step for me to start addressing my big question. Where should I put my money at the moment to give me the highest ROI? That's really exciting. Well, thank you for bringing this challenge forward. What a fun one to walk through and sort of see the light bulbs going off as you're talking about it. So (laughs) thank you. And thanks for being a guest on my podcast. It was really fun. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. We appreciate you tuning into the Coaching by Bell podcast, created and hosted by Isabel Hertz Coaching. This podcast is made possible by the support of our listeners, community, and guests. To learn more about how to donate or to contact us about guest suggestions or anything else, head over to www.isabelhertz.com. That is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-T-Z dot com. Every story shared has the possibility to unlock greater potential. Coaching by Bell does this one story at a time. Thanks for listening.